Garbage Town. You're Thanks, here. guys. Yay. This means you have to earn it to get on Garbage Town. Oh, is that you so? You have to earn it. Yes. Mm. Because you have to have had some highs and lows, but also be willing to address the lows, which most people are not. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. But I believe from self-examination, we become better people. I agree. Yeah. So, and if not, it's just a great story. It's just yeah. a great story. <laughs> so, yay! So Justine Prado is here with us. Hello. Oh, it's so delightful. She was a bridesmaid in my wedding. Mm-hmm. 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 Sarah mm-hmm. married us. Mm-hmm. I don't want to mm-hmm. throw anybody uh, under the bus here. I'm taking. Uh, in case anybody's looking for an officiant, I'm just saying I'm uh, available. She was excellent. She was very good. Yes, you were very very yes. good. I don't know if I told you this. My mom called me and asked me if I was legal to marry people internationally. I think. And I was I like, don't know. Uh, I don't. What's your mom up to? She, well, she wanted to offer my services to some friends of ours who are getting married and possibly going to get married in Hungary. She, ooh, but oh. she's also right now investigating identity theft and an Apple Watch scam. Oh, yeah. She's very busy right she's now. Very <laughs> she's got a lot on her plate. <laughs> she's, she's busy. You're a little bit of romance. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of intrigue. Yeah. All right, we're rolling. It's the honest pursuit of a dishonest living. Don't hug me. Don't touch me. I don't know you. We just want to know is like, do you like yourself? This place is the fucking worst. How many times can I be rejected? You mean like in a day or in one fucking <laughs> phone call? No one here is fine. I'm going to add that to the list. Yeah, add it to the list. <laughs> Justine. Yes. We've known each other. For a long time, since 2010. Yeah. So uh, Justine was one of the first people that I met at the UCLA Mixer. That's right. And she gave me her card, and I was very excited because I was like, here's another young lady That's starting the so screenwriting program. That's so professional. You guys had so cards. It was. They so still cool. had my San Francisco address on yeah. them. So I was like caveat that's not where i live anymore but that was that was a that was a it was cool though like she was dressed super cool and i was like mm-hmm. oh, she looks cool and so i took her card and it took me like a week and then i called her because i was like would you like to get a coffee new person that i know and then she never called me back, oh, no. <laughs> never, never oh, called back. and i was just like cool <laughs> that was yeah that was a rough night because yeah, i had just were going through a lot i was though. going through quite a bit i had just moved to la just uh, been dumped by a very long relationship. This is my first like outing oh, as like yes. a grown up in a new city, starting grad school, very scared. That's not and an I, easy. I just held on as long as I could, and then I went to the restroom, and I, and I was like, "Well, that was enough. That was enough." Yeah. For me. <laughs> and, I left. and I was like, "I'm just gonna try to keep my head above water, yeah, at minimum first, mm-hmm. and then I'll reach out." But I remember when I reached out to you, like specifically, I was very was, excited. Well, I think it was when our friend, uh, who's been on, Mike Stein's been on the show, right? Yes. Okay, so oh, he yeah. was doing a student film that required a cat. Mm. I have a cat. Mm-hmm. I do remember this. And yeah. uh, so they're like, oh, can we use your, who was, you know, famous by this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, and also we'd been in class together, so we did get yes. to know each other. We, yeah, like, we, we were like, yeah. since hung out, probably yeah. did some Thirsty Thursdays or probably, whatever. Probably, yeah. Um, but he needed a cat, and Mike, so I'm driving third to UCLA, and on the drive, he escapes his carrier, which was like maybe <laughs> the most frequently. It was the most expensive bag I had ever bought. It was like a nice canvas, like leathery thing mm-hmm. that he Cat's like. Cat's name is Thriller, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The cat is Thriller. And uh, he, when I bought it and I put him in it, he promptly shit in it. Like that's the first thing <laughs> okay. that he did. So Fuck this bag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it was the stupidest bag because it had zipper closures, but then like a Velcro flap. Oh. Yeah, and it he was would just poorly weird. It, it was, was like redi- it was designed by someone who clearly doesn't have a cat, or at least yeah. a, or a cat, very like old, our really cat. half yeah. dead cat, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so he just would st- 
force his face through the the Velcro flap and then wiggle hard until the zippers <laughs> start moving, and then he's just free in the car. So now I have this cat just in the car in the UCLA parking lot, and oh I God. called Jackie. Probably because you gave me your car. Yeah, <laughs> probably. And I was like, hey, um, you know, I'm stuck in the park. And this is before you even had a cat. Yeah, that's true. And I was like, I'm, I'm in the parking lot and I have to get the cat to the set, but I can't get him in the bag. And <laughs> it was just you and me in the backseat of my car yeah. trying to shove my cat into this carrier. <laughs> it, was, it was truly amazing because I saw her and I was like, what? I kind of approached and I was like, I don't see what the like, a problem. Just grab the cat, right? Just put him in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, just put him in there, right? And then she literally was, he was like all over the car. And then I remember you grabbed the bag and you were like, okay, you, you hold him and I'm going to pull, pull the bag up on him like a grocery bag. Yeah. Like we're going to bag him, right? <laughs> and he like, the moment you started doing that, he stretched out like an accordion. Yeah. And I was like, he's 10 inches longer oh, than he yeah. just was. It was amazing. And they then can, I was like, oh, I get it now. They can, they, their rib cages float. Yes. So they can like contort and stretch and do all kinds of things. It was it was Com- insane. And combine that with the strength that this yeah. particular cat has. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, I, was like, I, mean, oh, I got it. I just saw your face just like, what? What is this? <laughs> what, what creature is this? Yeah. And then we got him in. We're like covered. He's Sweat. stressed out. He's covered in fur or yeah. like fur flying in the car. Yeah. We're covered in it. And then, he, he and then dropped it. off at set, and he was an angel, of course. Of course, oh, he was. on set with oh. all the the lights and the people. He was just the star, stars born, hitting his mark and everything, and yeah. then getting him back into the car. It was <laughs> what just, a dick! I think he probably <laughs> was <did>. a dick. <laughs> Such a dick. Um, cats, but, cats, yeah. yay! But then from there, we uh, joined a writers group, mm-hmm. which was very fun for a long time. I think since then. Um, uh, one person has moved back to upstate New York. Uh, Will Honley, who was also on this podcast, moved to Reseda. So he's dead to me. I mean, we... I, th- um, I, I hesitate to say that because, you know, I'm moving God, I mean, even further than Reseda. I know, you're gone not too Not too long. So I'm... Yeah. I'm Actually, closer to me, though. Oh, oh good. Okay. Yeah. Good. Then, he's, then he's dead. It's fine. And, uh, yeah. And from there, then we also ran the screenwriters uh, portion of the UCLA Film Festival the second year. Mm-hmm. So there was nobody that wanted that job except for some reason, Justine and I both thought we sat next to each other and we were like, you think of what I'm thinking? And we ran up to the front to sign up for it first, but then it backfired on us. I don't think you had much of a choice because we were just like, we're We're doing doing this. (laughs) It was very like, you guys wanted. Oh, I had a vision. We were the people to do. I mean, we can get into it later, but I'm a theater kid at heart. Mm -hmm. And the idea of throwing a show and getting to call the shots and I mean, yeah. just getting to plan it right yeah like this mm-hmm. it wasn't really the spectacle of it no, no. One really this is a writer's showcase it's yeah. not a, it's, it's like a it's a night out for mole people like it's right just, it's not like, the glamorous like, event yeah. it was like no this is what we can make this something really special the year before and this is this is not knocking the people who ran it the year the students who ran it the year before were up against a bunch of red tape that did not allow them to make it what it should have been. It was just mm-hmm. like, and the money doesn't go to the writer's event because it's not f- as fun as like a director's event. Well, they looked like they had been through a war. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> when they met with us, they were just like, this is going to suck and you're going to lose all your friends and it's going to be, and you're going like, to hate it. Yeah. No, we yeah. won't do that. And then at one point, uh, there was a, a, an anti, an anti-Facebook group against us, the way we were running it. That's, that's how <laughs> dark it got. What? Yeah. Oh my God. And there were people on it. I do remember specifically people boycotting, wanting to chip in to get us flowers at the end. There was an actual discussion about whether they should get us flowers. They also oh thought gosh. that we had rigged it. I know. We talked so about it with Neville. We talked be, about it with Neville. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because we had Neville and Jim who were the, who were counting all the votes. Yeah. Who were like the nicest, most <laughs> honest so people you've ever met in <laughs> yeah. your life, obviously. Yeah. And then we didn't have anything to do with that. But we both, all four of us ended up either having won something or been like a runner up of something. Yeah. 
honorable mention honorable mention mm-hmm. and that to people was just a little too convenient it was really uh, close yes that was a little too convenient it was a little too fishy the, the idea that people who would take on this kind of responsibility might also put that kind of work into it's their writing and their script that they <laughs> we couldn't possibly be based on talent right it couldn't possibly be you that. guys like he had so much more drama than we did nobody Dude, wanted to do it high on, in the screenwriter yeah. show i was shocked though it, i didn't yeah. get that vibe in up until that point yeah um because no. I, that had not been a that, that that had not been a thing. It, it didn't mm-hmm. seem like a that people would be that. But you, know, you can't <laughs> underestimate, right? You can't yeah, underestimate the true. emotions and things that go through this, and you build up this idea. It's like a small allegory for Garbage Town, right? It's well, kind of like a, a microcosm or just your of that. career, because the idea that you get this idea hammered into you, like these are the important things, mm-hmm. these are the opportunities that you have. You Don't can't waste them. Up. You can't fuck them mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Right. I mean, we get that basically from high school all the way through, whatever. Yeah. But especially mm-hmm. when you're in a career like this, where it's like. You always got to be looking for those moments, and you've always got to be looking for those opportunities. And and if it and if anybody gets in your way, or mm-hmm. if you feel slighted, or if you feel wronged, you in come any for way, them first. Before yeah, they can get you. because yeah. they you ruined your one shot. And yeah. it's not those people's fault necessarily for thinking that, because they have been told. Especially, I, I don't know what in the director's mm-hmm. program, but I remember many a guest speaker coming in and yeah. being like, "It sucks. You're all gonna fail. Mm-hmm. You're all gonna." Oh, you yeah, have no idea how hard this is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was very, you know, an odd choice, I always thought, to yeah. tell folks who were to quit. really just or only in school, right? They hadn't even yeah. gotten they're out there, there yet. They're there to get better at something, too. And like, right, they're still learning the yeah, craft. Yeah, and also, why would you volunteer to come in? It's like, I'm going to give you the truth. It's like, I don't really need truth right now. I know the truth is tough. That's why I'm here. What I need is a little bit of hope. Or the just, skills shows to the, like, deal with uh, it. You know, how deep, <laughs> deep bitterness runs. Yeah. And how it doesn't really stop at well, entry and, and, level. You know yeah. what I mean? No. Like, oh, well, no. It might get worse, yeah, actually. Yeah, now. yeah. Well, we always, we used to ask the question in the first season of the show, like when the person comes in and said, this is hard, if there's anything else you can do, go do that instead. And the problem is, is it leaves two types of people in the audience. People who sit there and think, well, fuck, I can't do anything else. Or people who are like, I'll show you, yeah, right? You, right. Were, you didn't mean <laughs> yeah. me. You didn't mean me. I'm the exception to the rule. So it really like, it creates this, in, in, in a community where really all you have are the people at your level around you supporting you and backing you up. Mm-hmm. Makes everybody desperate. It makes everybody desperate. <laughs> and it puts you at where you're competing with your peers constantly. Yes. You th- or you think you are. It's right. the it illusion of the, it. It, t- it makes what could be a communal sort of atmosphere, which school certainly should be. Yeah. But mm-hmm. so could the rest of your career helping other people, yeah. working with other people. Being um, in a room with other mm-hmm. writers. And just sort of right. being like, well, if I got to burn bridges, I'll burn bridges and fuck them all. You know, and yeah. that you have <laughs> a lot of people with that kind of attitude. And you see where it comes from, though, because you do get burned over and over and over again. Yeah, you do. And, I mean, I, I don't know, because writing is a little bit more solitary, but definitely in the production side, um, there's this fine line between my work first, right? My yeah. work first. Yeah. I got to focus on my work. I got to do my thing. That's what's going to make me and the flip side of that is like i'm going to help other people community we're going to do this together they're going to help me we're going to have alliances and i kind of feel like you need a little bit of both honestly because you need to at certain points protect yourself and do your own thing and make sure you're doing your work but at the same time if you just only care about your work and you don't care about anybody else around you then you find yourself alone with no money and nobody to help you crew so it's sort of this weird balance of like needing yeah. people and you know wanting to maintain anton- autonomy mm-hmm. which i think is maybe a little bit different with the writers because you guys all well, of your work is your work i guess but but also like when you're in a when, if you're in a tv writer per se mm-hmm. and even features uh, yeah. feature writers get rewritten all the time 
Right. Mm-hmm. That's why there's multiple credits on a screen. And I don't think that people realize that sometimes that like if you go to a movie and you see three credits, that doesn't necessarily mean that those three writers wrote a draft together. What it probably means is those are that person was hired to write four drafts. Then they got let go because it mm-hmm. wasn't where the studio wanted it or production company. Then the next person came on, but they all get a credit. And depending mm-hmm. on the type of production, there's probably 10 more people that, that you don't weren't even named. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I actually, to your point, Sarah Jean, um, there was a showrunner that I once worked with who said that being a good showrunner, there are only two parts of your job, taking shit and giving credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes a good showrunner. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I think that's, I think it speaks to like, yes, once in a while you have to take shit. You have to be the first wall of defense and be like, mm-hmm. defend all your work. At the same time, you can't say, well, it's not all my work, but you can't throw people under the bus. But yeah. You also have to give them credits. They feel validated. Right. It's very interesting. There's a lot. I mean, honestly, there's more psychology to it than a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it a really huge is. part of like yeah. negotiating people. I mean, I was just thinking about today. Right now, I'm up for a job, and the reason I'm up for that job is because somebody who was an assistant in the locations department recommended me to somebody else. On the, on the instant thing you did. Yeah, you know, and so it's like it's mm-hmm. so like now we're talking about like a loca- a locations assistant. Yeah, you know, and like th- that person felt like she had a good experience with me so she recommended me to these new people she's working with and it's like that sort of level of like you don't know who's going to recommend you you don't job. know who is like and the odds you of know, them listening to that person yeah it's like random like you don't know it, i mean it's so it, it kind of reinforces that thing about being like just try to be decent to everybody you know yeah, and yeah. like try to um you know create community when you can because you're just like i'm like so thankful that anybody noticed that you know you yeah. we got along you worked really you know? hard and, and what you a great ran a great feeling set. even yeah. if it doesn't even if the job doesn't come through sometimes those feelings are the like the things that mean the most because mm-hmm. it's like wow someone actually noticed the work i did and noticed the person i was yeah and was, it's like it was that wasn't so bad to, and it was <laughs> yeah. enough for them to like kind of stick their head out and be like i know someone and mm-hmm. it's yeah that's rare in and of itself because mm-hmm. people either think if i feel like there is a culture of if i put someone else forward they're gonna take my job yeah, 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 yeah. if fear. i yeah. recommend my friend who's also brilliant or whatever then well, what if they just start using only that friend? Yeah, what if and their friend's more brilliant? Yeah. They like them more. Yeah. What if they outshine me? And it's yeah. such a shame because that's, at the same time, how it has to happen. Yeah. Because it always has to happen through, people always want to hire someone or mm-hmm. sign someone or whatever the deal may be based on the recommendation of someone they already know and trust. Yep. So the idea that you would be afraid to do that sort of puts a halt to anyone you yeah. know mm-hmm. succeeding. Um, but it's a nice feeling, even mm-hmm. more it's so. almost validating, mm-hmm. more validating the final product. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. in a way it gets yeah. you more jobs. Mm-hmm. It gets yeah, you more it jobs, but working. also it's like, well, even even if professionally, if you're not doing exactly what you want to do or where you want to be, at least as a person, mm-hmm. you can kind of feel like, well, at least I'm a good person right yeah which is at least that wasn't a total nightmare for everyone right. well, and, and for a while like all you have you're not making money so all you have is your name yeah, yeah. right i want to back up for a second because okay. this was an excellent discussion we no. are really off to a great start we're you know what it. validating for all of us yeah, yeah. Right. we're being we're quite positive today very positive left and right left and right let's back up and talk about you because okay. what i like about your career is you are a writer of all trades so yes. even though <laughs> you would say probably just oh i'm a writer or i'm a screenwriter you not only do you write features, do you write TV? You have a comic book that has gone viral, mm-hmm. and you also dabble in opera. Yes, you so, know, yeah. just as, you, as one does. That's not what you <laughs> do. <does>. No, <laughs> no. I, I think that people don't understand too that like being a writer out here doesn't necessarily mean that um, until you hit the top and you get to pick and choose really what projects mm-hmm. you want. 
that you're going to write probably anything and everything one just to be financially sound mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or and two to diversify your portfolio because you never know what might hit mm-hmm. right right so will you talk a little bit about what that's like and what you like to do best yeah you know there's part of me that definitely agrees with that idea that you're sort of doing this all to sort of better yourself but at sure. the same time i think it, for me it's also i get not impatient, but I hate to just land one place and yeah. think this is what I do. This is what I do. And I know that that's branding. That's what you do. Like, oh, mm-hmm. if you're a female comedy writer, that's then the you're opposite a of what you should be doing, says mm-hmm. an agent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is actually a reason I resisted sort of any kind of representation or managers or sure. agents for a really long time, because I knew that conversation was coming. That's mm-hmm. like, well, what yeah. do you do? What do you want to do? How do I sell you? And I don't know if it was a combination of not wanting to have to figure that out um, or just knowing that. I wanted to do so many different kinds of things that mm-hmm. I wanted to do yeah. all the things that came my way. Mm-hmm. So when and just I, the things that interested you. Yeah. Or not even knowing what might interest me. So saying yes to opportunities that would otherwise been like, I don't like, okay. So for example, when I graduated from UCLA, where we all went to grad school, I started, the first jobs I got were rewriting Christian movies. I think mm-hmm. this is so amazing too, because can you give a little background, like what you came up doing? So my, at least at UCLA, when we were writing, I was always writing, um, like the first thing I wrote about was like the porn industry. I was always writing about like yeah. m- movies and TV shows that were about sex workers and, or just more adult in nature. Mm-hmm. Those were the topics I was interested in still very much. Well, I think so. you were redefining women, which I thought was very yeah. interesting and also making, trying to make people unafraid of women doing untraditional work. Yeah. So. I like those characters. I always have. And so that was sort of my, that was my brand for a really yeah. long time. And I still consider it very much part of my brand, but for whatever reason, because you just graduated and no one knows who you are and the universe just, has a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I fell into Christian movies, working for small production companies, rewriting, um, sometimes There's a huge market for that. There is a huge, huge market, market for, it. for it. Well, what's nice is, I mean, not, not in my uh, particular example, but they are movies that get made. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, they, they are small budget. Really what it is, is it's, scripts that are what was interesting about that process was they're different right these types of scripts are very um exposition heavy so it's Mm -hmm. a lot of people saying exactly what they mean there's not a lot of subtext there's not a lot of i want to say like artfulness it's Mm -hmm. earnest they're also Mm -hmm. earnest Earnest. to an extreme degree yeah Um, but what i do like about them is it's a lot of like people just talking right Mm -hmm. so it's just a lot of dialogue almost like a play because there's not money for big set pieces Mm -hmm. there's not not blowing um, up the white house here no you're literally always (laughs) like like inevitably on a college campus or in a small town very sort of like a hallmark movie Mm -hmm. or um in a way that's very confined but so let's have some fun dialogue and that's Mm -hmm. my favorite type of writing is you can stretch mm-hmm. out a scene right people talking there's opportunity for hats oh jackie I loves hats i love a hat on a hat i will i will stretch a scene if there's more jokes oh ja- jackie scenes oh, yeah. have like three or four like you know was it like was it called eclipse elliptical no uh, uh, ellipsis ellipsis yeah, yeah oh, you yeah. have like three or four ellipsis of jokes on top of love each it. other and those runs yeah. always get cut and i always like weep inside a little bit yeah, so but when you've got nice. when you've got hours to stretch, you could just mm-hmm. get to like, well, I'm gonna have all all these fascinating <laughs> conversations yeah. and all these. And if you're doing well, you're a religious movie, yeah, you mm-hmm. actually kind of get your you're asked to do that. Now it might have to have the result that maybe you would not have chosen to write As in person. your version. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I also was like, well, this might be a cool way to actually make some of these movies not as Saccharine. terrible as people think that these movies have to be. Right. So mm-hmm. For some reason, yeah. Christian audiences have sure. to have 
bad movies. Maybe they don't. Maybe they can have Maybe at least some better movies. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're reading we're reading romance novels mm-hmm. for another podcast right now, and I had always assumed that all romance novels are bad. And then mm-hmm. I read one that was like fucking incredible. Oh. And mm-hmm. I was like, or at least way better than I ever expected it to be. And you're like, oh, I guess I just operated under that assumption forever. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially right? if the majority are terrible or the mm-hmm. ones who yeah. just get to you are terrible and then like, why would you think anything because then right. you're not going to explore like well i'm going to keep trying yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's the other thing too which I'm i think is like too tired to try <laughs> there's like no i feel like there's no topic that if you dig deep enough isn't you can't find something that's kind of compelling or interesting about it or like some sort of interesting challenge and so it's like yeah you have this yeah. christian movie you know what it has to be it has to be this cookie you know, it's a, it's a sugar cookie. It's always right. a sugar cookie. But how do you like play around with that? How do you make something different or, yeah. you know, more appealing about it? And the romance novels, I like that, too. It's like they all have like by definition, they have to end happy. Happy. Right. It's yeah. H-E-A or H, uh, H-F-N. So it's happily ever after or happy for now. But either yeah. way, it's, it's got to be happy. Yeah. yeah. Got to be happy. I think also you spend an amount of time with any characters. You kind you of fall, fall in love with them and mm-hmm. you fall. You figure out who they are and then you start bringing out the things that you know are there that aren't there yet mm-hmm. yeah so that sort of led to more rewriting work and that was one of the things that was really surprising when I started working was that I didn't really understand I guess throughout school that it was possible to be a working writer and to make a living as a writer and never having a credit, credit screen yeah. or have <laughs> things get made right yeah, to just yeah. bounce around from production company or things that get made that your yeah that your name's not on or yeah. it's interesting because you kind of just kind of get to fly by and write what you want and go oh I wrote that or oh that was my thing or oh they never made this or Mm -hmm. for whatever reason because half the time especially in the smaller production companies you know they have money up into a point yeah and Mm -hmm. then and then it all just goes away Uh, Mm -hmm. or they've spent it all and now that's it now we're done Mm -hmm. yeah Um, we'll call you next time do you ever go to something or see something on tv and you know you had a small part in it I know this happened to you and you can really only up fire truck Oh boy. Oh boy. Garbage town. But um you go to something or you see something and you know you've had a part in it. I can only only take someone close to me and tell them I had a part in this. Because if you go with a group that you don't know that well, it feels like you're like kinda humble bragging a little mm-hmm. bit. Oh yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. people who don't I mean, even as someone who was going to school for this didn't really understand that that might yeah. be a thing where but now it makes total sense because you have professors who talk about you know, working this on this and working done. on this mm-hmm. and then you go look them up and you're like where's this work yeah <laughs> and like, oh i totally yeah. get it and either you were the last person to come on to like punch something up mm-hmm. or yeah. make a woman character seem real which is a yeah. thing that i've done um yeah. that I, I get that call sometimes yeah. yeah yeah or you were the first person there and then they were like we've decided to make this a drama even though it was a teen comedy yeah and now we're going with drama with a male lead as opposed mm-hmm. to the female lead that you wrote. Like, well, yeah. well, that's a strong choice. Yeah, yeah. So it's a different film. <laughs> Just take the yeah. check and I'll go home. Yeah. yeah, and it's fun, but it is frustrating after a while to have worked for so long for so many places and things and not be able to tangibly show someone mm-hmm. either your name or I something did this. you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that's when uh, this very random opportunity came my way, which was um, writing comic books. Yeah, which happened really only because the woman who was starting the comic book company. Um, put up a Facebook announcement announcement saying, I'm, I'm looking for a, a female comedy writer who likes cats. Does anyone know <laughs> anyone and like all that? female comedy <laughs> writers apply? <laughs> I know. It's like what, I, what actually happened was my friend said, 
just take this down like stop looking i know i have her like yeah. don't don't even she once had another friend put stuff her cat accordion style <laughs> into a bag in the back yes. of her car she's got a she's a notorious cat lady and yeah. she writes comedy so i ended up writing a comic book for this company about a cat sitter called molly uh, sure um uh finding molly the adventures of cat sitting or an adventure in cat sitting rather um and it was a blast. I got to work with this amazing artist uh, named Jen St. Ange, and she lives in Canada. And we were, I would send her the script pages, and a couple of weeks later, she'd send me back these glorious, gorgeous drawings of mm-hmm. exactly what was in my head, or better. Yeah. Um, and we made this sweet, crazy, silly book that we ended up posting as a webcomic and got a ton of fans and feedback and traction and ended up getting so much that it got published in its entirety as a graphic novel through Emmett Comics. And it's a thing where I would get to go to places and mm-hmm. sign it and meet fans and talk to people online yeah. about mm-hmm. how much they liked it. And that was, it was weird that that experience, which I always hoped would happen, would mm-hmm. happen in this very... Different arena. Yes, yeah. completely. Yeah. That I never really had a whole lot of interest in or knowledge of. I took a graphic novel writing class in undergrad it's just a fun mm-hmm. class, but I can't draw. So I kind of thought I was excluded from this mm-hmm. world and this um, this medium. And then that ended up being sort of the, the stepping stone to the sort of next stage of my career, which was, oh, you can write this. Well, what about this? And yeah. so that became more comic books and writing characters that are pre-existing for other companies and um, writing games and, and writing for apps and stuff mm-hmm. that seemed to be taking me further from screenwriting, but mm-hmm. actually was doing quite the opposite because it was also generating, you know, here I am with someone whose name and has reviews of stuff mm-hmm. online. Generates and, buzz for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not in the film industry. In yeah. that sense. I get to take yeah. a break from it and I get to hang out with comic book people and hang out with weird app developers that mm-hmm. live in Paris and hang out with upstart gaming guys who are like, I'm so tired of dealing with the bros in the gaming world I want to work with just like girl writers yeah <laughs> will you be one of them and and people who are trying something different and just wanting to take a chance with a writer they liked and that's coming back to that sort of feeling oh like you liked you liked it <laughs> thanks, is it okay it. <laughs> well, okay. thanks then that's then yes of course I'll try yeah. it and I might suck at it but because mm-hmm. you, I've never written a game but you know that yeah. so mm-hmm. let's just give it a go and so I've been doing that now um as sort of half of my writing career and then continually working in the film and uh, television industry in the same kind of capacity, but just in slightly more interesting and bigger roles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's go back to what you guys were talking about. Like both of you have been called or specifically hired to figure out the female characters in something, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What is that like? Is there a part of you that like, cause there's a part of me that's a little bit enraged by that, (laughs) but at the same time I understand it's necessary. And I'm glad that that call is happening now where before it was like, who fucking cares? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's tricky in the sense where on the one hand, you're a little bit like, fuck you that this is like, this is the situation that we're in right now. Yeah. But on the other hand, you're like, finally happening. well, at least you're trying to, do something about right. it you know right. like at least you have recognized that there's a problem and you're not comfortable with the problem and you want somebody to come and make it better make it better or help you the the trick with it though is like I don't know if you feel this way where I'm like I don't know if I am a single woman being brought onto the project to <laughs> make all the female feminize, characters, feminize, yeah. feminize and all the characters and do a pass on it or whatever you're, you're a little bit like I'm one 
woman. I do not represent all women. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm in a position, too, where I'm like, I'm not a woman of color. So, like, that's complicated as well, depending right. on, like, what we're doing and who we're talking about. I, you know, you're like, I'm a woman of a certain age and a certain background, so I can speak to that very well, but I can't necessarily, you know. Hiring one woman doesn't cover all the ground. No, yeah. one woman is not going to cover women. Yeah. You know, like, okay, the right. solution to covering women is yeah. more women involved. So it's, you in know, general. it's a little bit double-edged in that sense. Where, but you are, you're like, well, I'm glad you're thinking about it. I'm glad you're trying to take steps. Maybe uh, you could take them a little earlier yeah. <laughs> and incorporate more people. Yeah. The other, but the funny thing about it is, at least in the in the few experiences that I've had in this particular role, is really just trying to get whoever brought you on to be like, well, just write her like a character. Yeah. Right. It's not about it. needing yeah. a specific yeah. girl to come in or just a girl to come in yeah. and make her sound like a girl. Yeah. Yeah. It's about like you didn't even think about giving her conflict what, you what didn't does even she think about yeah. giving do her what does she yeah, like an emotion like? yeah. you did all that other work for all the male characters but you mm-hmm. never did that and now this. their whole thing is suffering because they've got this like sort of Wooden. not thought out character at home when she could be providing mm-hmm. all this conflict. like extra stuff that they yeah. need i'm like all you have to do you could bring a dude in to do this part which is yeah. writer like a, a character yeah. and give her <laughs> and like making that it almost you feel like kind of a dummy for having to just sort of lay it say out. that Such a natural, <laughs> well, just yeah. writer yeah. like just, just do the work yeah. that you did with everything else uh, you don't have to mm-hmm. even add her into the like main mix like she yeah. doesn't have to be yeah. like in the heist or whatever the hell yeah. the dumb yeah. thing is but she could be at home also struggling with something yeah. or gra- grappling with something or whatever like it's it's not it's a different. Simple, it's as simple as giving a character specifics. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, how, like, so a character can have three lines, but if there's something really ultra specific, you'll remember it. Mm-hmm. And right. you'll know that says something about a person, man or woman, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. people just don't bother. Exactly. And in these experiences, it's always like, this is a character that I could take out of this movie and put into any other movie. And it wouldn't really matter. Right. Because yeah. she it's has a no generic barista. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. You just yeah. wrote barista, called her Carol, and put her in your movie. <laughs> and like it doesn't, you yeah. know, pretty barista. And it's, you know, the same. Whose only sort of action is to be like, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I'm so mad you did it, but I'm so glad you're all right. Yeah. You know, like my my problem too is, and I think this is sort of uh, this is a general critique of all men in the entire world. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I do think sometimes men have a hard time visualizing what women are doing when they're not with them. Yeah, I yeah. think there's like a divide sometimes where it's just hard for them to imagine when you're not in the room that you also have things going on and interests <laughs> and interests and right that your world yeah. doesn't revolve around their brief interaction their with you yeah, yeah. <laughs> justine you also you leave and go back to the bay area a lot mm-hmm. you take some breathers from garbage town i sure do <laughs> <laughs> is there like what do you like about la what do you dislike why do you why do you spend so much time away or try to get away when you can well i think it's to keep that love affair alive with LA when I moved here I did I fall in love I fell in love instantly you really did I did I loved I was coming from San Francisco I grew up in the Bay Area um, but I lived in San Francisco for about seven years Uh and I love I mean San Francisco was the dream for me like as a little kid like it was it's the prettiest city or it, sure. it was it was the best people or it was um I have yeah. to say that now yeah. <laughs> it's not the San Francisco that I remember now but I was re- ready for a change of some kind and especially weather wise and people wise I think it's weird but having come from San Francisco and the sort of Marin areas where um like a f- family and friends were living right um talk about 
garbage people. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. I, mean, I don't yeah. want yeah. to offend anybody, but I think most people can agree that like really the people in LA are glorious sunshine people compared to most of the people that I would deal with on a daily basis in, in the areas that I was living and visiting. Yeah. Um, and I was just so ready to be away from that sort of dark cloud, literally and, and metaphorically. And so when yeah. I moved here and it was like, sunny and warm and people actually said hi i mean this is a weird thing to think yeah coming from other places but no it is it's so mm-hmm. much different than living on the east coast yeah everyone mm-hmm. just keeps their head down and if you try to start a conversation with like a grocery clerk they're like why the fuck are you talking to mm-hmm. me right pay for the groceries whereas here i felt chatting away different. and i go different places now and it's even better in that ex- in that sure than mm-hmm. than than la is but for that first couple of weeks it was just like this is great this is exactly where I want to be and you know my first experiences in the industry itself like were really lovely and um, encouraging and so it wasn't I didn't feel like I ever got started on the wrong foot yeah Mm -hmm. Um, and I think to keep that feeling alive the problem becomes when you only think of being here or when you're Mm -hmm. stuck here or when you don't leave or when you get and when LA and garbage town merge because I feel like those are two different things there is the city of Los Angeles that you can exist in while a huge population here works in the entertainment industry some of people don't right Mm -hmm. but for the people that do there becomes this weird like enmeshed where you start to associate all of LA with Hollywood oh and Mm -hmm. I will walk away from those conversations and I can't and I don't I try to keep my head out of the industry business as much as I can because I don't find it helpful. I don't find um, being sort of like a reader of all the news and stuff. I mean, I know in a way that helps yeah. your career and it helps to mm-hmm. be informed, but mental health wise, no. it's not mm-hmm. actually good for you well, or me. And so yeah. I try to, I guess, be here and work here while not really having to spend much time in garbage town. Yeah, um, because that is the only way I keep myself happy and creative and and then taking as much time as I can to do other things and pursue other interests. And it might not. It, I think for that reason, my career has had a very interesting trajectory and has mm-hmm. been slower to go mm-hmm. at times. But I've always been happier than a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. Yeah. And I haven't burned out. Wow. Mm-hmm. See, that's amazing. Cause you know? Everybody I know is burned out. at least once I think Mm -hmm. I've definitely twice big time burnt out I mean I've always I've had moments of like I don't want to deal with these people or um, have gone to work somewhere else and being like what was I thinking like when I'm working in comics where I was just like well these people are nice but Mm -hmm. I know it's like anything it's like even in opera where you spend enough time there and you're like oh you're toxic too like oh these people Mm -hmm. are also garbagey um, so when they get consumed by it. And they find each mm-hmm. other and they sort of increase Fester. in number. Yeah. 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 And then you get, and you're stuck there and you're like, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. So um, it's really just jumping back and forth, trying to stay sane. And so I so don't. So that's how you stay motivated. That's how you stay like elevated above it all. Yeah. Yeah. And going home frequently. Yeah. <laughs> going back to well, the pretty Bay Area part. I've really cut back on trades too, but I used to be on deadline. Deadline was like a thing. I'd hit refresh and refresh and refresh mm-hmm. and refresh, especially during like broadcast season. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just found it so hard. My biggest challenge is to stay in my lane and not compare myself with other people. And there would be things where it's not even like when my friends would pop up on deadline, it'd be just like people that I'd been tracking bigger and bigger and bigger. And I just became that I felt smaller and smaller and smaller. And I just it became so hopeless for me mm-hmm. that I couldn't keep up or I would never get somewhere that was successful. And then 
you can't enjoy the little success that you have, Mm -hmm. you know, and it becomes impossible. And then you're not validating yourself. And then when you're not validating yourself, you don't want to keep going. And I don't know, it just, it it becomes all consuming. Partially because I'm a bad person, but I only really like the trades when it's about scandal. Oh, you know, like the rest of the time I'm kind of like, eh. But then when they finally get somebody, I'm like, they got him. Then I'll be on it. But that's just, that's, that's storytelling. That's just the, the, um, I knew it. Yeah. 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 I was right all along. No one, no one listened to me. Yeah. Um, No, I think, I, I think everyone experiences that. um, Yeah. Especially when it's your peers, especially when. Sure. You know, there's no set way that anyone gets anywhere in, in any creative industry. Yeah. I think it's different, obviously in other sort of like banking and law and stuff where there's like a trajectory and even that's being sort of Mm -hmm. thrown around now because it's not the same as it was 10 years ago or whatever. But if you worked in a corporate structure at a certain point, you're definitely going to get a promotion. Even if maybe you're not even that good at your job, but at like three years, there's probably a technical promotion that you get monetarily or whatever else. Right. And here it can be like, things can get worse. Or you just move like laterally to a different company or whatever. That doesn't, it's not a thing that exists here if you're in the creative side yeah and so it's really hard not to see things happen but then you also have to pay attention we, we, we've been here long enough now that we've seen people who were maybe some of the first people we knew to kind of blow up blow up yeah. and it's radio silence mm-hmm. yeah right? so it's like high school right where yeah. it's like the kids who were like mm-hmm. gorgeous and beautiful and popular or whatever yeah. who like blew up first and you're like well i'll like they're already mm-hmm. there i'll never catch up yeah mm-hmm. but there's something to be said about peaking early when you're mm-hmm. maybe before you're ready or maybe you get this really great explosion of light and success and then half the time I'm, when they disappear I'm like maybe they also were like I hate this mm-hmm. yeah like you I never really get to anymore. know mm-hmm. unless it's a big scandal mm-hmm. you never really get to know what that last half of those stories are yeah mm-hmm. so I wonder if I can imagine that a lot of time people do experience that and experience the garbage that comes with it yeah and not just garbage but like maybe horrible stuff that comes with it and just mm-hmm. go Never mind. Yeah. This was not, this was not the it. way that I wanted it to happen. I mean, I can think of several people I know, friends who had a lot of really, really dynamic early success. And then just because it came so early in their career, they really weren't mentally or emotionally prepared yeah. to yeah. deal with what came after that. And, you know, it's not that they tanked their careers, but they just didn't struggle. They struggled. They struggled a lot. And they, you know, in a certain extent kind of ended up back closer to where they were in the beginning to like sort of rebuild because they just got in so deep so quickly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know didn't have sort of the people behind them or the you know experience to be able to sort through some of the more heinous bullshit mm-hmm. to be able to like I don't know shepherd them I guess oftentimes that one piece I can think of someone specifically that we were just speaking about who got mm-hmm. something on the blacklist and it was an artful piece of writing but she had so much time and energy while she had a full-time job to put pour her life into that piece, mm-hmm. I'm sure. You know, and then it does really, really well. And it's like, it's it's all your creative energy went into it. And you had no, no oversight during that time. Mm-hmm. You just put your energy into this thing that hit. Now, suddenly, they want, everybody wants in. And they want your second piece. But now you're being managed by people. And your oh, timeline yeah. is shortened. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to put 
you don't have a hundred percent stamp on it. You have 10 people standing over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so much harder. And it's got to be better and bigger than the other thing. Yeah. It's got to be better and bigger, but you are actually sort of cut off at the knees in a Mm -hmm. way that you weren't the first time. Well, and you think about how much pressure, even on a smaller scale you have when you're turning in a draft, when like Mm -hmm. if you're turning, if it's your episode of a TV show and it's your turn to turn in your draft and how much pressure there is. And if they don't like it, how crappy that feels. And that's on a small scale because it's like Mm -hmm. in a safe room of maybe 10, 20 people. You know, Mm -hmm. 15 people are going to rewrite it and they're just as good, if not better than you right you have somebody there to kind of catch you when you fall yeah the higher up or the more the the, you know the more money that's being spent or the more people the more people standing over your shoulder the more people that are in and invested in you which was seemed so wonderful and great at the start um gets confusing well it adds to that pressure though like if that sucks if the thing you produce sucks or maybe it gets made into a movie or a show and it is panned Mm -hmm. i mean i think about the little failures that you experience on a daily basis right and yes, the successes are greater when you get mm-hmm. to that point, but the failures, I mean, that would just be devastating. There's so many yeah. filmmakers who have made one feature and then maybe did well and they got a second, or maybe they never got a second. Mm-hmm. Right. But if their second doesn't do as least as well as their first, they're not getting a third, or they're yeah. not getting a third for yeah. 10 years, yeah. or they're not, you know. Which is why I think it's important and something I try to do. But going back to your thing about... Um, feeling like well even those small successes I do have don't mean anything in comparison to somebody else having this like explosive career but that's exactly why you have to celebrate those small things Mm -hmm. because they are still things like you know have the dinner we were having this conversation with someone else go have a dinner just go to dinner go open the bottle of champagne like it is it's worth it and it there it's about you acknowledging the work that you've done and you know that in a couple of years it's going to be a bigger celebration or more people will acknowledge what you've done but you're never going to get that far if you're constantly like shitting on yourself in the in the face of actual wins yeah Yeah. Yeah. you're you're already being like well i did this and they said great draft and they ordered the other one or you know the next step in my deal you know went through whatever and you're like well but it's that just not means a, the first one wasn't good enough. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not a, you know, it, yeah, it's not a, yeah. a full deal with the studio. And yeah. I'm not, you know, who knows that, you know, likely that might never happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So what's the point of really shitting on yourself until it absolutely never happens? Yeah. Versus <laughs> yes, celebrating yes. now yes. and being like, at least I had the hope that would happen. And if it doesn't, it's because I did something different. Mm-hmm. Well, and I feel like the greats probably do that. And the people that have those like 15 minutes of fame often that's built on like 10 years of just sticking it the fuck out. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 15 minutes of fame is equivalent to 10 years of just muddling through, (laughs) you know? And that goes back to no one clear way in which any any creative career really happens. I mean, some acting or maybe even music, there's maybe more of a shelf life because there's a, (laughs) people have to look at you. Mm -hmm. But behind the scenes, you can figure out your way and whichever way, it ends up going is really just how it was. I don't want to say it was supposed to happen, but that's just how it happens. So that's what we're going to go with. Do yeah. you guys have any, just as a question, do you have any big like what ifs, like sliding door moments where you're like, oh, you know, like oh, the way yeah. that this, you know, it happened because it did happen this way. But those moments where you kind of stick in, like maybe if I had just done this instead. And said something well, else or no. done something else. Mine are more, man, I'm glad that my career didn't take off with that project. Right. Mm-hmm. So going back oh, to like Christian yeah. movies or whatever, mm-hmm. like say I had got. Say so one had written this like Christian movie and it got made and it was one of those like Hits. super shocking twenty million dollars you know at the box office in the middle of the country or, yeah. you know yeah. and you're like and now your name is associated with this Christian movie which and, I wrote to pay rent right yeah. and to 
And now that's what you're doing for 10 years. And it didn't have my politics. I mean, as much as I try to sneak them in, right? It Mm -hmm. didn't have Mm -hmm. my strong politics. It didn't have my outlook on life, Mm -hmm. maybe even. And now I'm in it. And now people see me as that. That would have, I think, been a burnout leave type situation because I just wouldn't have wanted to. I don't love money that much. Well, then that puts you in the position that a lot of writers end up in, which is that you have to write your way out of writing. Like you have to write something else over the next 10 years while you're doing Christian movies that says, hey, I can also do drama. Remember that no one really is interested in because it's like they know, well, you've made, well, I'm only interested in you because you've made money for me Mm -hmm. or for someone. Keep making money. And I only want the thing you made money doing. Mm -hmm. So whatever this stripper movie is or this, Mm -hmm. you know, sex worker drama. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're gonna be like, well, where, where's, where's Christ? Yeah. <laughs> where's, where's the Christ does, money? Right? Yeah. <laughs> I want some of that Christ money. I want that Jesus money. Yeah. <laughs> and I would have been, I, I think it would have been, you know, and then you think, well, then I wouldn't have, you know, been able to write right. my cat book and I wouldn't yeah. have been able to make this other thing. And I wouldn't, yeah. and that would have been, I have maybe more of those just mm-hmm. because of the type of career that I've more had. Than do- maybe. Like bullets dodged. Then. I, still, <laughs> yeah. like, I still yeah. don't feel yeah. like there's ever been an instance where I've been like, man, if only I had done this and all would have, I feel like yeah. each instance was like, I know what went wrong. And I, mm-hmm. there was really not much I could have done to, yeah. mm-hmm. other than no, like it's really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where I'm like, yeah. other than now knowing to look for that again, mm-hmm. or those signs again, or have this line in a contract from now on to protect me. Oh, that. that's mm-hmm. yes. That's, that's a thing. those are the things, but I wish I'd, I had paid somebody at the time, the hundred dollars to review my contract. But the time I was so broke that I was like, I'll just fucking read it and Google it and make mm-hmm. sure that everything's in there. And then checks out, right. yeah, checks out. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. we actually, we should have brainstorming a lot. We should have an entertainment lawyer on. Yeah. That would be fascinating. It is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I don't, cause I don't have any moment. Like I always talk about that boss I had that is notorious for being the woman who passed on Harry Potter. Oh yeah. <laughs> Rut row. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have a moment like that, but I do have stuff like that where like, I've been sort of moved on to other writers and I'm like, oh, fuck, I should wish I had done this or I wish I had seen it that way. Or sometimes I'll have things where I'll read something and I'll be like, oh, I had the same idea. So I'll go and like secret, seek it out and like secretly read it. And I'll be like, wow, this is way better than my version. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Right. This is yeah. so good. Oops. Oops. Yeah. Okay. This person got it right. You know? I think that goes back to like the people having success too, is that acknowledging that it's really not about you as a writer. It's mm-hmm. about someone often having the exact right idea, being in the exact right room yeah. at the exact, the exact right version. time. Yeah. And just being and that luck. person it's with luck. that thing. And it's 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 luck, it's timing. And maybe and it, they just had the better version of it. And it's like they should celebrate and you should celebrate them and work as hard as you can to not make it seem like it's somehow like it's something about failure. you. Yeah, like, like, oh, why it? didn't I think of that thing I know nothing I know, about, would never have pitched uh, in a million it's years? It's so narcissistic. It, it like, is? a part of me thinks that's like, but like, I remember reading about this idea. I was like, fuck, that's the same idea I had. And then you read it and you're like, this is a b- way better execution. <laughs> oh, but like, absolutely. But part of me is able, yeah, not to celebrate that woman's success on an mm-hmm. idea she had, but be like, I can't believe I didn't do it myself, right? You know, it's weird. I want to take a minute. You're like, oh, of course I didn't have that idea myself. I would have never. She's that woman, and she (laughs) knows how to do it because of her life's experiences. And like, yes, exactly. Oh my god. So it's hard though. There's not. That's not acknowledging that it's not difficult, and it makes you feel not only like a like oh I'm not far enough in my career or whatever yeah. but also oh and I'm a terrible person yeah. <laughs> because I couldn't just like smile well, that's where I go yeah. so I just you're smile welcome that person and be nope, like, Great. nope not me I weep <laughs> weep into a bottle of cheap Trader Joe's wine mm. Mm, delicious that is my we've favorite all line. been there that's what I celebrate with what yeah. are you talking yeah. about that's what I always celebrate with a glass I'm gonna mine. pour one out oh, maybe man. two sidebar but I just but I tried a two dollar ninety nine bottle nope. the other night at Trader Joe's and that Ooh. was a uh, 
That was a mud. That was a bad through. gamble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you lost that one. You rolled and the still, dice and you lost the dice. Still drinking it. <laughs> my fiance is just like, "Well, stop." Yeah. Like, well, it was. That's just like I'm not less than waste a penny. The money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God damn it. I committed to this. I'm going to finish it. Yeah. I did make a sangria with it. Did you? So. See, that's fine. Yeah. Wine can be turned into other things. You can cook with it. It doesn't yes. have to go to Although waste. I don't even know if I'd cook with this. Sometimes <laughs> it's not a drinkable wine. <laughs> After Russian Christmas, we ended up with like a surplus of vodka, and like some of it was like pretty low end yeah. and yeah. Uh, we just turned it into uh, you can make household cleaner <laughs> with like lemons and sure. vodka you could yeah. like uh, essentially it's almost it's basically cleaning your house with the schnapps but uh, we need to start yeah. a blog called the frugal writer <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I could do it yep. I could, I'll, the I'll, frugal writer yep. I want to have a segment every week actually let's do a segment stuff. every week that's like things that you've done because you're so broke I think yep. that would be really fun because I at one point I know I had left in my um my fridge like early early on in my 20s it was like I had frozen waffles, you know, cups of yogurt, and I made myself what's called a poor man's crepe in my mind, which was I microwaved the waffle and like rolled it up with some yogurt in the center and <laughs> See, I ate it. Yeah. Then that sounds delicious. Yeah, it was good. It was not bad. Yeah. I couldn't afford brunch. Yeah. So that was the best I could do. My car has a really awful bumper that really needs to be repainted. <laughs> yeah. I just got a bunch of flower stickers and now I have a very decorative bumper on my car because I was like, <laughs> I'm you... not going to spend hundreds of dollars oh, yeah. to paint this you know piece what? of shit. And I'm going to express myself is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have the happiest car on the freeway and maybe people will get behind me and go, oh. oh. I, have a, I have a hot tip that just reminded me. Of, hot tips. Uh, Let's go into hot tips. Yeah, because I uh, got rear-ended um, a while back and it was sort of a whole thing. And I went to go get the estimate and they were like, oh, this is, I mean, $2,000. We don't know until we take the bumper off what the situation under. We're going to take the whole car be. apart. We're gonna, probably yeah. going to have to order some, match the paint. You know, and it just has this like divot on it and whatever. And I was like, fuck that. I'm just going to like roll with it. Right. So hot tip. I believe if you are in Los Angeles and you have a car, never buy a new car. Just oh, don't. Yeah. Hot no. tip. Your car gets fucked here. Yeah. You're going to like my car has been hit while I've been parked so many times. Oh, I've hit Sucks. so many. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, coming from San Francisco where yeah. you're par- parallel parking on like fucking mountain like 45 angled. degree yeah. angles. Yeah. There's no way to not. I mean, you have it's to hit the car. Tapsers. Otherwise, I, yeah. I don't know what you're supposed to do. And so <laughs> I was driving. I was driving a Buick. Oh, oh God! So I'm, I'm really good at parallel parking now. Yeah. But at the time, it's not hitting. It's yeah, like it's tapping. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a share the road. Is yeah. what this is. You don't. Yeah. Leave, you don't leave a mark yeah. necessarily, unless like you tap you it a little. Distracted. Yeah, kiss it a little hard. Yeah. Yeah. So Justine, let's do a dream versus reality, which is a segment we like to do. We've explored your day to day, your reality a little bit, which is like a mixed bag of writing. So what is a day in the life? And then what is the dream? What does your dream life look like? We've already done the day in the life. Well, you can not, I mean, recap it. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, reality. Um, so one of the things that I haven't, that I didn't really touch on is the sort of theater aspect of what I do, oh, yeah. which is, um, every, I try to, I'm a stage manager and a stage director. And, um, I, I've done that because my sister is an opera director. She's been an opera singer and an opera director f- forever. Yeah. Um, and so I worked with her when I was in San Francisco and then we recently started working together again and I realized how much I missed being in live theater yeah. um, and music and opera. Um, and your fiance is, you met. That's where stage. I met. That's where I met. He proposed my to you on stage. proposed to me on stage as well. And I just really enjoy it. So I try to do two or three productions a year now to A, get me out of, I'm usually doing them outside of Los Angeles so it gets yeah. me out of town. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's another one of those things where it, it's a production. It has to happen. There's yeah. no like, well, we're going to work. We're going to work like it's going to happen and just hope that the money comes. Yeah. Or that, yeah. that the production it's happens. It's happening. Yeah. It's, it has to happen. No matter how bad it might be. Um, 
and I like that. I like the rush of that. I like um, I like calling a show. I like calling all the light cues. I like um, f- figuring out the whole how the opera is going to work and yeah. how people are going to move and and what their actions are going to be on the stage. And so, part of my daily life is definitely so writing all the time, whether it's and whatever that might be. Whatever be that it, project mm-hmm. is. Be it, yeah, be it a short story or a comic or most likely a rewrite of some script either that I've written that someone wants another version of or something that someone else has sent me. Right. I spend a lot of time with my cat. Yay. Because mm-hmm. uh, he demands quite a b- bit of time. Yeah. And then I take a couple weeks off and go somewhere else and do um, a production of something. I'm about to go leave and do a Traviata with my fiance. And that'll be fun. And I'll, I won't have time to do anything else. Right? I won't yeah. have time to rewrite anything. I won't have time to be... You just focus on that. I have to because there's no time to do anything else. And it's all immediate. It's happening right in front of you. So I think that the dream, it's being able to keep doing that. So mm-hmm. being able to keep doing the th- all the things that I love and yeah. maybe not having to just pick one. I think mm-hmm. that's yeah. what I get a little scared of is having to just do one type of thing yeah. one type of writing one sure show forever or one not that that's not um something that I would do and love to do for a while but the dream would be being able to write and write the things that I love mm-hmm. um and still be able to take the time to write something completely different or take off and go do an opera for a month yeah um and have it not be well that's it. Yeah. It's over. You yeah. know, um, I think just being able to do those at a higher level. So yeah. being able to have the power to say, I don't want to do this mm-hmm. particular project because financially I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to pick and choose a show or a movie that I'd want to get attached to or, or sign on because I think it looks like something that I could make great as opposed yeah. to now, which I feel like is sort of common with like the you know early years of a writing career, which is, well, it's not really my style, but I'll find my way. I'll find a way mm-hmm. to put I'll myself there. Yeah, yeah. Versus, right, and I'll enjoy the process, so I won't mm-hmm. think worry about it so much. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Or I'll just work really, really hard to make this something good, even though I know right now it's awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the pressures that come with that. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But so being able to sort of have that choice or have yeah. that sort of power, at least that per- per- perceived power. Yeah. Yeah. In that way, I'm there in a smaller capacity. And like the mm-hmm. microcosm yeah. of it a little bit. Yeah. I'm there yeah, in like yeah, the baby yeah. way. Yeah. So the dream would be to be there in the grown up sort mm-hmm. of professional level. Way. Yeah. High yeah. level way. Yeah. So I'm. I playing guess that's, in the minors versus playing in the majors. It totally, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. so I feel like the foundation is there. Yeah. So maybe that's why I don't really get stressed. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's mm-hmm. I've gotten this. I'm this working far. on it. Yeah. yeah. I just have to get to this level and this level, and that yeah. can that's fun too. Yeah. I mean, it's exhausting. I'm not gonna sit here and say that it's not <laughs> absolutely exhausting every day, but there's um, I like getting to do a couple different things. Hot tips. Right. Hot tips. We've already heard one today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justine, I hear you have a hot tip for us. Okay. Well, this is from a a, a, fil- a movie goer experience, oh. um, which I think we can all relate to. Mm-hmm. So I would just, hot tip, double check um, <laughs> the movie that you're seeing that was on your movie going app is the same movie that is actually showing at the theater that you're sitting in. <laughs> so I was... Um, I was I had a night off and no one else was around. I was like, I'm gonna take myself to the movies. There was an art house theater around the corner from me playing. 
I kind of don't want to say I feel bad. You should uh, say it. Playing what uh what was the uh what the app said was this old Soviet war movie mm-hmm. called Arsenal. Oh, I was gonna say, was it the life of Ivan? Because that one's great. <laughs> yeah. There well, there's lots of great ones. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen them since film yeah. school and you know, I really enjoyed them but you're when like, I was in film school. I'm gonna get myself some popcorn. Just, you know, indulge in some things that I wouldn't normally go to. Well, this wouldn't have been out of the question at like an art house theater in San Francisco or whatever. Just like a one-nighter, like only people. I'm going to go see this. And I was like, well, this sounds cool. I'm going to go. I'm going to go do it. Yeah. So I go to the little theater, buy my ticket, get some popcorn, and I sit down. and Treat yourself. Right? (laughs) Yeah. I I love going to the movies by myself. It's kind of one of my favorite things because I don't have to talk to anybody afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like going in the middle of the day, too. and like Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great little escape. Yeah. You go in during the day and you come out at night and it's very disorienting. Yeah. yeah. And I'm realizing that everyone sitting around me is not like kind of the film schooly nerd that I expected the audience to be. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Yeah. Of, it's a lot of schmoozing. It's a lot of people, oh, introducing their agent and a lot of people huh. do. And I'm like, well, this is weird. But I'm, I don't know. It's that delayed reaction. But you're also, it's LA. So you yeah. believe it. You're like, oh. Maybe uh, they're having like a weird yeah, party or sort of party. Yeah. Or like, you never uh, know. AFI is somehow sponsoring. And it. I don't know. My film knowledge is certainly, even though I went to like eight years of film school, my film knowledge is not uh, anything to be, I don't know, to write home about. Right? Yeah, I have a yeah. basic mm-hmm. set of knowledge. I know I like this kind of movie, but maybe this is a bigger deal than I think Maybe it it's got a cold mm-hmm. following you don't no, know about. Maybe it's a brand new print right. yeah some shit recently like that. found yeah. remastered Never know. who knows and that would have been great but it wasn't what, <laughs> so i'm sitting there and i'm finally i'm starting to get really a strange feeling so I, I just pull out my phone and i look at the theater website not the app that i was yeah. looking at for showtimes and what i had actually bought a ticket for and stumbled into was like the premiere of this um Adrian Grenier, yes. Nicolas Cage uh, vehicle called Arsenal that had just come out. And not only was I in that theater, but As I was... a fan of Nick Cage. I'm familiar. Well, I was at the premiere oh with God. the cast, crew, and production team. Oh, oh my gosh. Arsenal. So I might have been the only person not in that theater who was like part of yeah. the movie. Yeah, they cheer for every part. Well, the director spoke first. Oh, boy. So there's like a Q&A. There was a Q&A after. Oh, no. They were hosting this. It was, it was a Q&As big deal. Q&As are my nightmare. Anybody oh, who knows God. me knows I fucking hate Q&As. I get anxious and angry. Our oh. um, uh, stories makes me want to just murder. I oh, <laughs> So this, you know, it was one of those, you know, it didn't really have a theatrical release. It was like a, a, an on-demand movie. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. You know, you're sitting there and I didn't know I could have walked out and got my money back yet. So I'm like, well, I'm going to I think I texted you frantically. Yeah, you, and I was like, like, oh, my I've God. done something horribly wrong. <laughs> and uh, and I remember the director speaking and he goes, uh, you know, I'm just so happy you're all here. And he's like, you know, younger guy, mid 30s, sure. baseball hat, of course. Um, this is his fourth, hat, of fourth movie he had oh, made uh, for this particular oh, company. And he goes, I'm just so glad you're all here to see this. And I just can't believe we made this whole thing in 14 days. No. Oh, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not a long time to make a feature film. And it was, I mean, it was, I, I don't really think I need to tell you what that theater going experience was like. It was unlike anything I had seen before. And certainly. That's a compliment, kind yeah. of. No, yeah. I, I had, I'm so glad that it happened because it was. Was Adrian mm-hmm. Gunnier there? He was there. Oh, he was there. The only boy. one that wasn't there was, I think, was Nicolas Cage. Well, of course not. He's doing um, other films. <laughs> uh, I mean, and my fa- so like it was little stuff, right? It's little things that make you go, oh, this is not um, like a real movie. Like, you know, when you hold your phone up to your face yeah. and it goes black yeah. because it, it registers. Well, 
they'd be on the phone talking, but you could see like all the apps on the iPhone like lit yes. up because they're clearly not on a real phone. Yeah. And they can't, they had like, I think this was, um, they don't have a guy that like crops that shit out. Which and he was, the job. this yeah. actor was there for, who was, it was uh, John Cusack. Judge Cusack was there? It was, this was the actor that was holding oh. the phone. Oh, yeah, he's in all those I don't those remember if he too, was there right? or not. Him and Nick Cage. But he probably was there for a day. They had yeah. one day to shoot with them. He got, yeah. you know, he his, got his four scenes. And yep. he's like, cool, I would do the same thing if I were him. And he probably yeah. got No one's going to see this. Yeah. yeah. And so they can't reshoot him though. Yeah. Oh, and then no. there was like a oh, baby oh, in Lord, the movie. No. There was a baby in the movie. Was it a rubber baby? No, but it was in the same outfit for every scene, yeah. even though it yeah, took place over a baby. series. Yeah. <laughs> that was a four-hour, one-day baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it was just, and then I then I quickly ran out after the before the Q and A could start, oh, and I felt so I bad because I would have committed at that point. I know you I know, should have asked. Well, what does this have to do? Like an hour. <laughs> what does this have to do with the original Arsenal from 1922? <laughs> and Excuse me, the film that I was supposed to see is this similar? At I all? see you've taken a lot of liberties with the retelling of the story. Do you want to yeah. go into that? Um, but as I was leaving obviously like it just wasn't a movie for me yeah. it was a movie for someone it just wasn't a movie for me but it was a wonderful mm. experience and i'm leaving and i'm walking out with maybe the other two folks who were who also thought were, they were buying yeah, yeah. tickets or the they were invited yeah. walked by so, yeah, they like, were invited yeah. and didn't really know anybody yeah. and we walk out and it's like this man an older man and his and his girlfriend or wife and he opens the door and in full voice just turns back to the girl and goes what a piece of shit <laughs> she's like honey yeah. just walk out and close the door <laughs> oh god like, so it was one of those things where you want to be snarky and yeah. awful, but then it's also like a lot of people made this movie, and, like, and we're I know about how hard, hard they are to talk is. about. This isn't lobby talk. That's like one of my yes. like favorite favorite red flags with like when my you know friends from out of town come or we see something i'm always like nope. not here in the car we talk about this in the car absolutely yeah, do that's not the talk difference. about this in the lobby that's the difference between la and seeing a movie anywhere else is you can walk out of the movie in like pennsylvania and go what a piece of shit right and here you have to be like oh there's a lot of interesting things about it and then you get in the car and go what a piece of shit because you don't know who knows who yeah, and who's who worked on it? This guy or, didn't care, obviously, because yeah. he was oh, yeah. in the room with everyone <laughs> oh, yeah. who made that the movie. That was somebody's dad. Yeah, oh that God. was definitely somebody's dad. He was dad. upset that like his son's friend gave him tickets to a cool premiere, and this was what the fuck it was. Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, also like as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. you know that it's so hard. That you, I had no idea what that original script looked like. like how much he had to pare down uh, because they got, we got fourteen days. Or make it work. Or how maybe he didn't get maybe he didn't get to do any work on the script at all. He was given an opportunity, and he fucked took it absolutely yeah. or the writer yeah. was like I, mm-hmm. what do you mean i have i have a, a like sometimes what? those productions just start like we're shooting we're mm-hmm. gonna start next week and, like, and oh, then Nick Cage, oh, we're starting or, tomorrow or right. like, yeah or like <laughs> what writer sometimes the producers yeah. of those companies it's literally just two guys who sit for three days and crank something out to make it because they make all their money back on direct to dvd or direct mm-hmm. to, like digital or overseas sales. stuff yeah, yeah. And no so it's it doesn't a, matter so it's like two producers who are just like and then we'll put in some fucking action i get mm-hmm. the business model i think it it works it's it's obviously working for a lot right? of people but it was it's awful it was just a joy yeah it was just a joy and so yeah but yeah lobby talk yeah in live theater too that is a big thing because like i've been in the audience and you know my fiance is on stage or my sister directed or whatever and you know you don't you don't want to you want to listen to hear what people are saying but you're like really afraid that you're going to hear something that you don't want to hear and like i haven't really had that experience um too much but yeah it's like you never know who's sitting around you who's Mm -hmm. like i'm part of the production yeah i'm not i'm 
I'm a spy. I, it took everything in my power not to lobby talk the shit out of La La Land when oh, we walked yeah. out because I hate that movie and I will go on record and I was like, this is everything that's, this is made by people who do not live here and do not understand the struggle. And it, I like, it took everything in my power to get in the car and not just be like, what? Oh my God. That is the most insensitive, most upsetting film I've ever seen. <laughs> at, yeah. the, uh, <laughs> at the Minneapolis premiere of, um, a serious man, one of the grips I know who had worked on it. We had saw the film and then there was like yeah. a reception afterwards for people sure. to do stuff. And he was outside smoking and Francis McDermott came by and was like, Oh hi and like saying hello. Wait, this on Lala Land? Different movie. No, this is this a is serious man. Oh serious yeah, man. Yeah, sorry, serious sorry, man. sorry, sorry. And so Francis McDermott comes up to him and is like, Oh, how did you like it? And he goes, oh, I didn't think it was that great. Because he didn't know who she was. was. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's just a guy running cables doing right. his job. Exactly. Yeah. He's just doing his job. And so he just straight up told the director's wife and actress that the movie wasn't that great. Yeah, you know? nice. But the hors d'oeuvres were okay. <laughs> but the cheese plate yeah, was yeah, really Yeah, to get inside premiered. and get some hors d'oeuvres until <laughs> they ran out. Because that would save yeah. the... Yeah. I'd be okay with yeah. that. Yeah. I'd be like, well, this one guy didn't like it, but he did like this. So yeah. He was into the sliders. And to be fair, they were delicious. Yeah. Yeah. show somewhere for like a week and then and i the buy person. the ticket yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then justin goes to all of them damn it yeah do you have a hollywood war story oh sure i bet okay so you mentioned this i think i think in the intro but maybe it was pre-talk but um the idea of being like a latina writer in yes. hollywood so i'm half mexican i've written a lot of latina characters the mm-hmm. the lead in the comic book i wrote so there have been instances not not too many. What I have found about being like a quote unquote Latino writer is that everyone thinks they want, and we've had this experience pitching like a Latina yeah. show. Yeah. Um, everyone thinks and talks that they want diversity. They want this. They don't want that. And they make the white version instead, or yeah. they hire the white writer instead. Like it's really kind of a misconception that like, oh, you know, it's all this diversity hiring and stuff. Like when you look at the numbers, like that's not actually happening. what's happening. But I was approached, I had done a series of um, young adult adaptations for one company. Oh, I remember you telling me the story. And that was an experience in and of itself. But it wasn't, it was just your regular sort of writer for hire sure. work, got paid, no issue. Development exec there put me in contact with um, a producer, kind of more of a person who kind of sells the books to production companies. Sure. And she had a series of books that she personally wanted to get made uh-huh. because they were very popular um they were very uh, well liked with teens they just they were bestsellers and they yeah. hadn't been made yet and she like, couldn't figure wow. out why yeah. yeah it's like a romeo and juliet story where the dude is latino and he's um of course he's in a gang and she's the white sort of suburban girl yeah and she's you know rich and it's sort of romeo and juliet west side story but maybe a little less also even clever the crazy beautiful do you guys remember that movie yes yes very mm-hmm. although this girl was a le- well yeah and she had a bad home life yep. so very uh-huh. very similar yeah and the books were you know they were fine they were teen books and i could see yeah, why teens why? like them yeah. right there's a lot of like sexy build-up and all like mm-hmm. the sort of like yeah. um well, uh, anticipation they, yeah. yeah does he like me does he not like right me? he's a bad boy and stuff yeah. but it was going to take some finesse to not just make it like yeah. brown gang guy <laughs> yeah. meets white rich girl and yeah you know, so like well i could possibly do that i could i wouldn't ever let that happen if it were me yeah so we develop it develop a pitch she isn't 
so connected this producer in the industry so i ended up taking her to like a couple places where i had connections and i had previously had pitches that i knew they were looking for something similar people passed on it a lot because of that exact thing the latino gang guy and then she had found a showrunner who she wanted to sort of have us have us talk with about possibly bringing on maybe even as a non-writing producer just someone who had made something before and mm-hmm. can bring in the brings cred to you absolutely and, the room. and i'm also always packaging looking for that pitch, yeah right? because i want to sell the thing and i want a mm-hmm. team to do it with right um and we talked to this woman and she was very sort of i don't want to say abrasive but the phone conversation was not uh, fun it was Could just a lot of like, down to like one horrible thing she said just like well you're going to need a pitch do you know like do you have like a, a like a doc or a powerpoint like have you do you do you know how to make those like just sort of assumptions <laughs> that i've like what? never like i've never done this or uh, she was asking i was like well you know it's, it's based on a real town where this actually has happened she's like well have you been there and i'm like well no this no. woman hasn't paid me to go to chicago to yeah. <laughs> go explore this town no, and I see just how my, real the gang problem is my yeah. research <laughs> stipend hasn't come in yet yeah i was like that's Remember, absolutely all a this plan shit is unpaid also oh, people yeah. don't know that all of this shit is unpaid like you, oh. it's, a, it's a big gamble to pitch so like the payoff is huge if you sell it yes but oftentimes this is six months to a year of work mm-hmm. where you are unpaid and you're just trying to get in a room and get someone to buy it yeah yeah and so, so that's no, what this was your chicago trip hadn't been billed yet no. <laughs> hadn't, uh, it was first on the list pending yeah pending so I was like, oh, you know, she didn't really sound that interested, but she was going to set us up with a meeting at this company where she had sold a show that had done, you know, kind Looking of similar stuff. But the producer that I was working with went ahead and took that meeting on her own. Uh oh. And said, why and then, would she do that? Well, this was init- This was supposed to be. Well, a I wasn't aware of it, but also oh, an introduction meeting because she didn't want to start. She didn't want to just go in and pitch. She wanted to. So she wanted meet to take a general, first. but she still took a general about the writer without the writer. Yes, she took Weird. a general kind of for herself okay. and the books, right? Because the books okay. are their mm-hmm. own thing. That I don't have anything to do with. And, and there's an author who has nothing to okay. do with me either. She comes back and she's like, "Oh, it was great, great news! Like they really are excited to hear the pitch, and you know they, um, you know, there's like little red flags, like you know." They often like to work with, you know, their own writers and their own team. But I said we were a team and that we would come in and pitch and that, you know, we would we would Uh figure it all out. Yeah. Yeah. Very excited. But she's like, but I think it's a go. I think they really like the books. and I think we're in. Yeah. So I'm telling my manager, I'm telling these things like, oh, like this looks like something might happen. Like, can you look up this company and see what their deal is? Can you reach out and like touch base? Right. Set up, start, you start setting up the meetings and kind of take it out of this woman's court. And then she calls me back and she's like, so what did that producer like tell you about this? And I'm like, well, (laughs) that they were interested in the series and that we were going to come and pitch formally. She's like, so really what happened was she took the books in and sold them on the promise that no writer was attached to them. (gasps) That was the production company's rule. Caveat. That's Mm. fucked up. And so... And you've done all this work. I've done all this work. Luckily, I didn't type anything up. I had it all in my notebooks and stuff. So nothing that I ever said was... You know that she in could in her hand, yeah. 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 But she and, and she's like, it. and she then she, used it. and so she writes me back, and she's like, "Oh, I'm confused. I don't, I don't know what you thought um, that this arrangement was, no. you know, and that kind of stuff." She's like, "But don't worry, like I'm still going to get you in there. You're still up for the job. They just want to, like, you know, they want to read your samples and they want to meet with you and stuff." And I'm like, "Well, now you have me auditioning for a job that I already had. Yeah, basically. No. like this was I came along on this ride." on with the agreement that i was and coming with you even if i was a co-creator yes. or whatever the and deal that's her may job be. to make it right and 
she went in like as if this was the only like just to jump at the first chance right she just had to go with this company even though they were going to screw over and the thing is that what was frustrating about it was that so the writer of these books is white Mm -hmm. Uh um and she wanted to bring in specifically a a young latina writer to Mm -hmm. sell these books and make them yeah Mm -hmm. legitimate in some way at the first jump like just abandoned abandons her yeah. young Latina writer yeah. Yeah. Um, for this company. However this can get made. Yeah. Because they happen to have made other Latino right. shows before. Right. And I think I kept God, hearing back so from her up. like every once in a while, but I was just like, I don't, please don't email me. Please anymore. stop yeah. talking to me. This is not, don't pretend that you, Oh, and that woman who was the showrunner that we had the phone conversation she's with. She's on it now. She's the showrunner. Fucked up. Uh, uh, so who knows if it'll ever get made. It probably oh. won't. But it was just one of those, it was, it's frustrating because A, it happened and that's a horrible story. And I didn't really have much of a way to protect it from not happening, mm-hmm. right? It's hard to sign yeah. contracts about pitches. Yeah. Or about, yeah, like, and you don't own the IP, so it's like not. Hey, I've just been brought yeah. on and done all this, this work. Prep. Really just, you know, in the hopes of being, mm-hmm. you know, this is a project that I think could go and I have all these reasons, yeah. so I'm going to go ahead and take the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't anticipate, nor can you really prepare for them Something just being like, like well, there's a weird rule. So I just said, yeah, sorry, bye. So it's hard because it's, I don't know how to like advise people, like watch out for this. Just, well, I, I think just it's like, like emotionally prepared. Yeah. Because yes. there's times where like, that I felt happens. like we had really good relationships with certain executives and stuff. And then the second something goes south or like they have a different, they, they have a like, better play. It's yeah. like, you're not their friend. No. You, yeah. you were never their friend. Like you might've got along and it was fun to like yes. work together. And but they're, they're not, not that your buddy. invested. Yeah. They're just not that invested. No. Like yeah. we, we had an executive on a movie that like, she was the only one who was on terrible phone calls with different teams every time. And she was the one that had read every single draft and been on it with every single draft and each time when we got these like rewrite notes from whoever new executive came on and want to put their stamp, she'd be like, yeah, she'd yes and that executive and act like she hadn't read the last draft or we mm-hmm. hadn't already tried that or it was right. just never on our side. Just mm-hmm. never yeah. on our side. That's so disappointing. Also, yeah. because mm-hmm. like a real producer with real clout would have just said to them, well, I already have a writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you'll have to make an exception for your rule if you're really that interested in this IP. It would have been so easy for this woman to mm-hmm. do that, which says to me that the producer was desperate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She was. And I think she had been on this particular set of books for a very, very long. long time. She wanted to close the shit up. You know, mm-hmm. but then you just sort of think like, well, I, God, I introduced her to so many people mm-hmm. and like took her to all these other places. Yeah, and, and, and you're vouching like, for her and then she's fucking people. And also now she has relationships at these places and I didn't really get anything thing from out her to it, even yeah. just sort of balance out the the yeah. transaction they're desperate right that's yeah. the thing about desperation that's the thing about this kind of gig this kind mm-hmm. of job is people are desperate and they will and they're short-sighted mm-hmm. they're and they'll short-sighted. do it for themselves mm-hmm. unfortunately first but yeah there was plenty of, of opportunity for her to say and it's me right mm-hmm. i'm not walking in being like show lone showrunner or nothing right yeah. i'm like i would have been i would have had like i would have been on the staff right if you're yeah. like we really need someone who's done this before as Fine. the show i'd be like okay yeah. like i understand like give me some extra you know credit or whatever yeah. on the action, but i'll whatever if this is gonna go it's gonna go yeah. i just want to be a part of it because of all the work i've already put into it Ugh, what a mm. war story that was yeah. a big one yeah. that's a that's Yuck. a real one Ugh. real talk well that's a good transition into our last segment, oh. which we like to call red flags. Mm. Oh. But the thing about this, Justine, is as we know, we're in a freelance, we're in a freelance business, yes. a gig-based economy. So we've gone ahead and looked up some very, very lucrative gigs. Great on Craigslist, which is where the best ones are. I met my best friend on Craigslist. Did you know that? <laughs> oh. oh. 
Well, then she I should follow that up by saying it was an apartment. Yeah. <laughs> and no red <laughs> flags. No red flags on that. Yeah. It wasn't just like a just casual a connection. <laughs> just looking for friends. Um, so we've got some pretty lucrative job offers here. If you want to go ahead and apply after we read oh. these aloud. You know I do. So this one says, um, uh, the headline is First Lady dash model actress parentheses Hawaii. So a lot of things in here that are very exciting. Yes. First Lady model actress Hawaii. Hawaii. Um, then there's a picture of a, a guy, and it just says, it's his picture plus a question mark, which means maybe you could be his first lady. It says, New World Order, State of Awake. Executive searching for a first lady to build our business and politics must be willing to relocate. Hmm. Housing provided for relaxing transition to the islands. What? First lady is an administrative support role in the beliefs, practice, and sustainability of the organization. He is the creator and founder of Global Social Security, a computer software that facilitates our organization's programming. So what I'm hearing here is new Silicon Valley, In new Hawaii. opportunity to branch out. I don't. I think you could still be married to Gabriel, and it would be fine. And this could just be like the public persona that you put on. I'm the work wife. You're the work mm-hmm. wife, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't say what the compensation is, but it does say negotiated in the gray box, which means you can negotiate. Powers and balls, Powers, in, my balls court. in your court. Wow. Stateofawake.com. <laughs> well, bad news is I think by reading that out loud that we're all in the cult now. We're yeah. definitely part of it. I and think he's it's coming too late for us. for us. And sorry, listeners, you're in it now, too. Yeah. I like all right. It. So that one sounds like a pass for you. A couple of red flags in here. You know, it's really just the traveling. It's mostly, it's mostly, the rest of it sounds great. It's yeah. mostly the traveling. I can handle the rest of it. Yeah. It's really just the traveling yeah, that I'm yeah, not. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, um, on to the next one if you want to pass on this. Go on. I'm going yeah. to pass. You All know, right. it's a uh, it's a employer's market right now. It's, yeah. You, there's a lot of opportunities. A lot of jobs here. Um, He'll so this find one, someone. Yeah. I'm not worried. This one I'm feeling pretty good about. Um, seeking authors for an anthology on sensitives, empaths, gifted true stories. About 10% of the population is highly sensitive. This is not just a vulnerability, but a superpower. (gasps) Okay. This is designed to be published anthology of autobiographical accounts from sensitives. Your gifts could include something that you feel that many don't. Uh, Perhaps you see auras. Perhaps you hear or sense thoughts. Perhaps you know who's calling before the phone rings. Do you have gifts? I don't think I have these gifts. Well, yeah, I mean, okay. maybe you need to maybe dig a little d- deeper because yeah. perhaps maybe you walk into a building and you feel other people's energies and emotions. Like anxiety? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm right now feeling a lot of anxiety yeah, just some, hearing these out loud. Sometimes I walk into a room very and I'm triggered. feeling anxious and yes. I just turn around and walk away. Um, perhaps you have experiences. The end. The end. <laughs> that's, my, that's my contribution. Yeah, I'm going to take it. Right. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. they take it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Their, it's their choice if they want to include it. I feel like you could write a story about um, being able to communicate with Thriller. Well, there's mm. that. Yeah. When you were reading this, my cat also came to mind just because mm-hmm. he, I believe, has some of these sort of skills, m- these skills, his manipulative powers. Yeah. But no, he's the same way. It's yelling at four in the morning. Mm-hmm. I give him food mm-hmm. and then it's now let me knock everything off the shelves. It gets locked in the bathroom. Then he realizes an hour later he's in the bathroom and now we're yelling in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he gets to come back out and then I get like sleepy time for a couple more hours. Yep. Yeah. But it's every single it's gotta happen. night. Night. Yeah. yeah. Well, any other ads? I do. Um, I'm torn between which one to do here. So looking for a writer slash screenwriter slash script to collaborate. I'm a director Ooh, it's looking. A collaboration. Yeah. You know, I love it. Yep. I'm a director looking to collaborate with a screenwriter, script writer on some ideas I have for shorts or to work from scripts you've already written. So he's he like, to like to take he's take your work. He's yeah. open. 
Uh, I've been reading a bunch of short scripts online lately. Anything you have, you could give to me. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them are great, but now what I'm looking for, I figured I'd try posting here and maybe uh, be a little bit more descriptive. I'm a visual person and really like setting a mood feeling and saying as much with images as possible. Do you write paintings? Well, just from the writing alone, it's someone I'm desperate to collaborate with. <laughs> <laughs> just got to get in there. But it also sounds like someone who could use a little help. So yeah, maybe. maybe yeah. We're uh, know. Know. Let's Boy. see, though, when it gets better. Uh, right. um, I'm interested in stories about existential dread, oh. brutal relationships, the human Whoa. condition, etc. <laughs> Can you post to Craigslist from prison? Because I feel like that's what this is. Oh, it gets better. But also brutal relationships. Brutal relationships. Red flag. Yeah, the human in, in a couple different categories. Yeah. Et cetera. Et cetera. <laughs> et cetera. That's, that's, et cetera. That's, yeah. Et cetera. But also love things that are absurd and or surreal. For a frame of reference, the works of Igmar Bergman, Bella Tarr, David Lynch, Andrei Tchaikovsky, Lars Van Trier, Terrence Malick. Just write something like that real quick yeah, for me, ahead. could you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. write me a yeah. write me a melancholia and call me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just looking for like some sort of iconoclast who. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So if you're those guys, give mm-hmm. me a holler. Yep. And so I have an amazing DP who's ready to collaborate again and can assemble a small but passionate crew. Ideally, I'd like to keep it to one location, two or three actors, two female actors. I'd love to work with again. Send me a mid intern. Wow. Only two female actors? He has two that he wants to work with. Oh. And then he goes on to say, this is no pay. Please do not contact me about script doctor, script services, etc." Oh, he's, he's been he knows the red flags on his end he's yeah yeah and he's not gonna be taken dead this time well nope. as much as this sounds like a festival darling <laughs> I, might, I might have you to might take a pass i might take a pass so we're settling yeah. on the second job then yeah. i think i'm going with the second all job. right yeah. great great, great, yep, great. Yep. We cho- you heard it here first garbage town mm-hmm. <laughs> justine thanks for coming to garbage hey town. thanks this for finding me some work thanks for lending us equipment today hey oh, that's yeah. right yeah. this is coming uh, courtesy of my headphones oh, always professional. which are the ones that the cat hasn't destroyed yet Yay. so